This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Have I said no, no, no? Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. I ain't got the time, and if my daddy thinks I'm fine, just try to make me go to rehab, I won't go, go, go. Good evening, and welcome to Hooked. Joy 94.9's program about addiction. Research shows that the LGBTI community has addiction problems of at least twice that of the general population, and we want to explore why and how this has come about. There are many suffering addiction, many more that are affected by those in active addiction, and people that are grateful in recovery. My name is David. Hello, everybody, and happy Tuesday. We're back on books. David, what are some of the reasons behind this problem? Are there pathways towards recovery and change? How does addiction affect loved ones, family members and partners of those in active addiction? You know, we're not expert in this field and we're just a couple of old mates who happen to be into recovery together. We believe that there needs to be a conversation in our community. Yes, and of course, if you'd like to join us in that conversation, you can email us at hooked at joy.org.au. We also have a Facebook page, Russ. www.facebook forward slash hooked. Hooked on Joy, joy. 94.9. So if yeah. you want to follow us on there, we always have the podcast up there as well, which is another way to engage with our program. Uh, I do have to mention that if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 yeah. or Beyond Blue on 1300 46 36. Tonight, we have in the studio Pharmacist Ali. Now, a popular guest from our last season. Uh, welcome, Ali. Good evening. Look, it's great Thanks to have for you. having me. It's great to have you back again because you were a very popular guest last time around. It was around about right. February this time last year. Yes, so I think. It's been a year and uh, I don't know, I think a lot of our listeners would know you. Hopefully. Well, yeah, because <laughs> where, where is your pharmacy? Uh, it is located in Pran, um, Commercial Road, um, across the road from Pram Markets. Yeah, but you get a lot of uh, uh, patients from... Well, I suppose you can't really say that, can you? Not really. No. You get a lot of patients from a, a well-known um, doctor surgery in Paran. So, Correct. Uh, and always you've been a great supporter of the LGBTI <laughs> community. Yes. And your face is recognisable mm-hmm. because every time I see an ambulance go by, there you are plastered on the side <laughs> of it. Yes. To make sure nobody forgets about me. Yeah, well, maybe that's <laughs> it. Maybe that's it. Now, look, last time on Hooked um, with Pharmacist Ali in February last year, we had a discussion about opioids. And stubby, studies have warned of an epidemic of people in their 50s who are the baby boomers, like us, Russ. Yep. Uh, the young baby boomers who are addicted to painkillers, which also... We also talked about safe scripts, which was being rolled out in Victoria at the time. So um, we want to have a bit of an update, but do you want to just... Uh, for those people that didn't hear the last program, can you tell us what safe scripts is, Ali? Um, safe script is basically um, a new tool that um, allows doctors and pharmacies and I think practic- nurse practitioners to... Uh, have a look at the history of the prescribing for um, mostly um, painkillers mm. and 
the more uh, kind of risky drugs, and uh, it allows them to um, see since when the patient is taking them, how often they take it, and what has been the pattern. So basically, it it it, it was there, but it wasn't um, it wasn't uh, put there officially. So we we. Before we had to call the doctor, or the doctor had to call us and ask us about the history of the patient. Now we can easily have a look at it. So and it's really just to stop people from um, shopping around, isn't it? Uh, basically, it, it it was introduced to, uh, to more preventing uh, double prescribing. Mm. So um, to lower the risk of you know overdose of the uh, painkillers or benzodiazepines and it was a problem it a was problem, it, and it still is a problem yeah. but um it, it it makes it makes us make more of a decision when we are handing out the medication or the doctor is prescribing it so the doctor has a better picture of the patient history when they decide to prescribe or re-prescribe a, 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 a risky medication. So what you're saying then, Ellie, is that you've got a list of um, medications that that person has been um, given and yes. it's, and the doctor can type in a few buttons and they can see that... Correct. Um, you know, which doctor has prescribed those prescribed. as well. So there's yeah. no more doctor shopping and there's no more pharmacist shopping. No, 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 no. But we try to, um, you know, to be honest, we, we don't consider us as a cop cop medicine yeah so, uh, medicine cop sorry <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're not the opioid police no 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 you're not and uh, basically if this is kind of a tool that helps us to provide better care for the patient yeah yeah, yeah. so um, I'm just thinking about uh, my health records yes which um, you know the hysteria about that has um, died down but some people have certainly opted out mm. can you opt out of safe script no, no no you can't you can't uh, opt out of the safe script as a patient mm-hmm. and also you are you can't have access to it as well unless uh, you do some uh, formal request mm. th- through the Department of Health. Right. So it's yeah. a database of what I've had prescribed to me. Just, it, just the go, addictive medication. Does it go back? Oh, so the S8 medication. S8 medication, your schedule 8 or... Which uh, drugs are they? Well, uh, most of the uh, morphine-based painkillers, yeah. benzodiazepines... Codeine's on there? Codeine is there, yeah. Uh, Zopiclone, Zolpidem. You know, These are all, the ones that yeah, people ones might that have used yeah, and yeah, they've got and addiction also, yes. problems. And yes. why do people get addicted to those? Just well, it, it's it's more... they're to damn good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. How many have you got in your drawer? I don't know, but I'm just right here. <laughs> it's more to do with the pharmacology of the medication right. and how they interact with the receptors in our body. So it has a, 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 a bit of... Uh, pharmacology science into it but um, that uh, they, they, they basically stimulates your body the way that your body crave for it again mm. and again and again the problem is the more you take it the more tolerance you build up to it so you want more and more and more and who wouldn't want that if I mean if, if you're in pain and, and all of a sudden the pain's gone away and you Correct. feel good or you feel euphoric why wouldn't you want more of it yeah, the, the yeah. problem the problem with uh, Let's see, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, like uh, m- morphine can be prescribed for someone just because uh, a recent accident that they had. But that patient might have some anxiety on the, 
lying and it never been diagnosed. Mm. As soon as they take the morphine, the morphine helps with anxiety as well. So uh. they feel much better because the anxiety is gone as well. And as soon as you stop the, the morphine, the anxiety comes back and they feel sick and they think that, oh, the treatment was the morphine. Yeah. So. And then I guess th- to take it to another level again, once you've experienced the, wow, I um, feel better mm-hmm. and I feel good, well, then people still um, start self-administering. Yes, yeah. correct, yeah. correct, correct. And then they start, you know, looking on the wrong ways of, you know, getting the medication mm. and that can lead to another problem. Altogether, yeah. I see that legal or pharmaceutical opioids, which include codeine and oxycontin, they're responsible for far more deaths and poisoning hospital hospitalizations than illegal opioids like heroin and things yes. like that. Every day in Australia, nearly 150 hospitalizations and 14 emergency department presentations involve opioid harm. So, uh, and three people die from drug-induced deaths involving opioid. Use. So it is quite a big problem. Back in 2016, the number of opioid deaths was 1,119. It was the highest number since the peak back in 1992, which was about 1,200 people. So it has been a growing problem. And I think on the last program, we talked about an opioid addiction rate in the United States, which was approaching 6%. And here in Australia, it was around about 3.5, but obviously still trending upwards. Uh, So we did discuss that. And you can always check out the podcast if you want to go back to uh, February Mm. last year. So it has been become quite a problem. Um, Some of it created by um, the pharmaceutical companies because yes. they're creating these products in the first place. Um, so with with safe scripts now rolled out, yes. how is that... It's been a year, so yes. how has that changed what's happening in your pharmacy? Well, we see less uh, opioid pres- prescriptions. How much less? I think oh, you've got a figure there, I would, you? I would say, uh, you know, uh, between... Uh, April and uh, November, if I'm not wrong, 2019. Yeah, it, it was a reduction of about 20, per, 28%. 28% no, is a lot. Yes, yeah. yes. But you know, it's also very hard to get figures. I mean, I quoted 2016 figures mm. because health departments are very notoriously well; they're very thorough, mm. and they do take a while to compile these sorts Correct. of statistics. But yes. if if prescriptions of that particular particular class of drugs was down by 28%, yes. now. You're in your pharmacy every day. Yes. And you're open six days a week. Yes. You have personal relationships with all of these people that come in every day. Yes. So have you had to say no to people? Well, yes. Um, say no is always hard, no matter what. But um, it, this is not just a no. It's more of the... We, we more, know more about the patient. We get more insight about their problem. And that gives us basically... Um, a good tool to uh, discuss with a patient. Like a responsibility to yes. that person's best interest. Yes, correct. So then we can, we can talk to them, tell them, look, why you've been taking that much? Is, 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 are you, do you think the dose is not enough? Do you think that uh, there is other issues that you're trying to solve with the morphine, let's but you know, I could be Mr. Jones, and I come mm-hmm. in, and I've been—I went to my doctor, and he gave me this much opioid. Correct. And uh, you know what? I know that I need more, so I went to another doctor because I need more. Mm. I'm the one that knows. It's my my body and my Correct. pain. Yes. And I've come to you, and I brought my second script, yeah. and it's been. Well, I got the other one filled up just around the mm-hmm. corner, but I was on the way past you, and you know, like, how do you handle that sort of well, thing? Because uh, I know it, that I it, need more. Yeah, it's quite a tricky situation, but. You have to understand this uh, patient uh, is not 
is trying to help himself. It's not, but the, the, the way he's trying to help himself is not the right way. So you have to always show them the right path. So it, it, it's a very lengthy uh, conversation. Yeah. And uh, it's more about educating the patient about mm-hmm. the risks that they're taking uh, to help you know, the issue they have. And there are much more safer ways to tackle the problem. But just with what you said, David, I would have thought that um, safe scripts had stopped that. You well, it is. Yeah, it is. But yeah, at the same yeah. time, you know, from I'm just thinking from Ali's perspective, when you have a relationship with so many different Correct. people yes. that you see on a weekly basis, you know, yeah. I'm coming in for my heart medication, uh, I'm coming yes. in for my blood pressure tablets. Yeah. Uh, but look, I'm coming in for my opioids, which my doctor has prescribed to me, but I need more. So I just went to another doctor and I thought, well, I know, I know what I need sort of thing. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, at the same time, I, I, it makes me wonder where if, you know, we have people that have become addicted to these medications, I suppose the front line now is the doctors mm-hmm. and the pharmacists. Correct, correct. Which is suddenly, I can't get as much. Am mm. I going to crash a bit? Am I going well, to come we, down we, a bit? We, we, never, we never stop the medication mm. just all of a sudden. So basically we refer the patient back and the doctor always can uh, do a plan Yeah. Uh, and reduce the medication slowly or change it, change it to another opioid or to another medication that is more suitable for him. So the patient doesn't have to take more of that. So basically with, um, we're talking about uh, morphine-based medication. Yeah. So I uh, use the same example, you know, it, let's say if you had an accident, you basically need the painkillers for about six weeks. Mm. After that, you definitely need to review do we really need to be on this? Do they have to change the strategy or not? So, and it's basically a doctor call and all we can do is refer them back to the doctor and discuss the problem with the, with the practitioner and get their advice. And hopefully the patient can go on a program that reduces the use of the uh, more risky medication and go on a So it's way. taking that away from what uh, the patient might think is best for them mm. and putting it back into the medical court who possibly knows what's best for them. Yes. Now, look, I noticed last year and uh, we had the Health Minister of Victoria because this is only a Victoria-wide uh, program, isn't it? At, at the moment, yes. Yeah, it started in Western Victoria. It was rolled out in Western Victoria and the Health Minister at the time said the statewide rollout of the safe script system will save lives and keep even more people at risk safe from harm. Doctors and pharmacists can now see the prescription history of their patients in real time, helping people at risk break their dependency. And also the Minister for Mental Health, Martin Foley, at the time said safe scripts has been embraced by doctors and pharmacies in Western Victoria and we now... Uh, we know it's saving lives. Prescription medicine dependency can happen to anyone. Too many lives have been tragically cut short due to the harms from some prescription medicines. Each loss is one too many. Um, do you think, you know, because often we hear ministers talk at, you know, launches of things. We never hear whether things have actually worked out the way they have uh, worked out. But those sorts of um, comments by those two ministers at the time, do you think what they've set out to achieve is is being achieved? Well, we we can see um, there has been some changes. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the number of the prescri- yeah. prescriptions went down. And also, because I run 
another program which is the pharmacotherapy program for helping people with a bit of addiction to We're heroin. going to be talking about that yeah. soon too. So we see people with um, addiction to prescription medications are coming to that program. So it shows that they've been picked up by the doctors or another pharmacy or a health practitioner and they've been referred to us. So we see we see improvement and we, we see people are getting more help. And this, look, I'm, I must say that this um, was a problem and to the extent I watched a, um, a documentary on Netflix called The Pharmacist. Yes, yes. And um, very, very, very interesting, interesting documentary with um, this this pharmacist in, in, in a rural country town in the middle of um, the United States and and she was um, uh, administering um, opioid prescriptions 200, 300 a day yes, to correct. get people addicted to, to these drugs. So it was a, it was a huge problem and, and, and as you say, still is. I've, I um, from, from an addiction point of view, I've, um, uh, I was in hospital four times last year mm. with, a, with, a, with a back issue and, and still have chronic back pain. Um, and so I've been um, taking uh, Tarjan for nearly a year mm. now, a very, very small dose. Yes. And what um, interests me, my question to you, Ali, is um, this visit to my doctor, and I have to go back there every month to get um, a script because they only, yes. they only will give you one uh, month's worth of, of the drug. Um, he said to me, uh, I'm going to have to write you um, a letter to your pharmacist today mm-hmm. and you're going to have to take this to your pharmacist and they'll read it and they'll reply to me. Yes. What, what, what's that all about now that there's that, the transparency's gone uh, a bit beyond mechanical um, or computerised safe scripts to mm. the point where you're now exchanging letters with each other and... and well, and, we, yeah. we're communicating much better now. Yeah. So, basically, because we see what the doctor is prescribing, so uh, the, we, can, we can communicate better with the doctor because we have a bit of more knowledge about the background of that patient. Mm. And I assumed your doctor wanted to clarify some little bits and pieces, but he probably, he gave them a plan what he's going to do in the future you know being on touching for long term it might be a good idea for one patient but not a good idea for another one so um it, it's um, interesting that you mentioned Tajin. I was in a seminar a few nights ago and a doctor was showing us a, a notification he got through the safer screen which is very handy and he was telling the doctor that the dose of the Tajin that the patient is on is too high. Now you have to start thinking, are you planning to keep this patient on that dose or you want to reduce it? You know, if the doctor even you know, not very familiar with you know, the plan or anything, it just triggers in his mind that oh, maybe I better you know, have a discussion with another health professional or someone mm-hmm. else get a second opinion and try to change my strategy toward this patient. So it's creating more of a conversation between pharmacist, dispenser, yes. and doctor who is the prescriber. Now, yes. I know that you've always had relationships with different doctors, so, you know, you might call them up and mm-hmm. say, oh, you know, is this meant to be this or whatever? Yes, but correct. not every pharmacist may not have the time yes. uh, because it might be a high-pressure, yes. large-chain pharmacist. Yes, correct. Uh, or, or, you know, certainly some doctors that may be bulk billing might only have yes. an allocated certain number of minutes. Yes. But this is causing that sort of conversation yes. to yes. be put in place, whether yes. it be a letter or a phone call and things yeah. like that. And we need that kind of a pause in all, all at least all the pharmacies' you know, workflow to make sure that when they are handing out a 
a very um, strong or potent medication, mm-hmm. they have another think about it and make sure that they, they, they consider all the risks about this medication and they had the proper chat with the patient and told them and uh, notified them about all the risks that they're taking by, by taking this medicine. I'm not saying that we have to scare people off the medication, but at least we have to make sure they know all about the medication that they take for the West. And best I guess well I, I, I guess the letter that that mm. I've got to pass on to to mm. my chemist. Um, not everybody goes to the same chemist. Everyone no. will go to the same yes. doctor. Yes. Yes. So so in essence, I know um, I, I I know my um, mm. letter to my chemist actually mm. lists every single one of my medications. Medications. Yeah. Um, and um, so they will be 100% aware of what I'm on now, which is, which is very important when they're dispensing. So, yes, yeah. correct. We, we, always, we always encourage people to see one doctor, uh, one pharmacist, yeah. and that will m- minimise the risk. And my other question, I guess, while I've got you on, on just on that yeah. topic, um, in the lead up to being diagnosed to this back, back problem, I was being um, given lots of different painkillers just to release the pain. So yes. is the purpose of um, the letter also to say to the pharmacist, if you've got any um, scripts there um, that are not listed yes. on this letter, you can get rid of them. Rid of them. Right. Yes, right. correct, yeah. correct, correct. So they won't, they won't dispense it by mistake. You know, the... the there might be another pharmacist working that they that don't know you mm. and you ask for your painkiller and they just go to your file and get another painkiller that wasn't supposed to be pres- you know taken right. by you so. see i sort of go, go back to a personal experience as well i was mm. in a motorbike accident uh 13 years ago but i'm in recovery and so i know my addictive mind mm. maybe a little bit better and I was certainly on Oxycontin and I think Endone at the time. Mm. And you mentioned that six-week period. Yeah. And I think I was off those painkillers quite fast. I was very healthy at the time, um, still pretty healthy, but mm. um, the pain levels weren't that high, even though I had a broken leg and mm. broken shoulder and all that sort of stuff. But in my addictive mind, you know, I still took home some drugs from hospital mm. and I still had them there on top of the fridge and I kept looking at them going, oh, you know, maybe I need to <laughs> save those. So, you know, especially this program being one about addiction, it's uh, interesting to see how our mind plays and they are particularly potent drugs. You know, yes. I, I woke up from uh, the operation and they said to me, you know, what's the scale of pain from a 1 to 10? And I said, oh, 1. They said, no, no, 10's no, really painful, 1's not painful at all. I said, 0. Mm. So they said, okay, we're not going to give you the morphine pump. But having that um, experience before an addiction, I'm thinking, I want that morphine pump. I want to have some fun here. Mm. So, uh, you know, those sorts of things may play across people's minds as well. Um, What about chronic pain sufferers, such as Russ has been over the year? How does SafeScript treat those people? Well, basically, um, it would be the same as any other patient. So, basically, when we have a look at the SafeScript, We'll see what happened. You know, if it's a, if it's a chronic pain, it would be in, it would be there for many years. So we can have a look and, and see if the patient is taking more painkillers now. If it's if it's more painkillers, why is that? Is it just because it lost its efficacy, or there is another health issue is coming up? You know, some some chronic um, medical conditions. Yeah. Um, I might ch- might change their nature, you know, to, to throughout the years. They could get years. worse. Yeah, they could get worse, they could get better, they might be uh, skeletal pain, it might be a, a neuropathic pain. So, 
the patient should be reassessed every often and you know in it's up to the doctors to decide how often but a v safe script help us to remind the doctor look uh, this patient has been taking this medication yeah. for a while and are you having any plan to change it or do something else is there um, a flagging system within the safe scripts that says this person's had too much um, or is that more to do with it, it your is, human in- intervention? Basically, it, the doctors will get um, an alert which saying that the dose is too high or dose is not right. But for us, uh, pharmacists will see what happened, you know, what been prescribed, and also we might get an alert that this patient saw three, four other pharmacies. You need to check the record, and also see this patient has, uh, has seen like three or four other doctors. Doctors and are also on the system now too. Uh, yes. Do they, are they all on that system, or is there a particular time frame? Oh, for first all of April would be mandatory. So, if I'm a, a doctor from the first of April, I have to log on. Have to and see what the drug yeah, history same is. Same as the pharmacist, they have to log in and see. Well, you have to already because that started yeah. last year. Yes, correct. Well, I think just to reiterate that it, it's not. Um, I mean, I love what you say, Ali, mm-hmm. about it's 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 actually just caring about your patients and it's upping the care. Mm-hmm. But it it was the problem was um, um, you know people crushing crushing up tablets and injecting them injecting into their them. bodies and yes. and people um, dying from overdose. It wasn't correct. just it wasn't just a couple of pill popping sessions where, yes, yes. where it turned into yes. a, an epidemic it, or something it, yeah. the thing is uh, it it gives us a bit of more idea what the patient is doing with the tablet so mm. if the patient is buying them you know in a very very short amount of time then at least uh, make the doctor think uh, is he using it in any other way it's just a matter of you know bringing that conversation up with the patient and also we need to explain the 1119 deaths um, in 2016, which actually went up from 439 10 years previous in 2006. Mm, so, yeah, And yeah. they're just the deaths, yet alone the addiction the that's behind all yes, of that as well. Yeah. Have we received any SMS we messages? We have received an SMS. SMS messages. SMS messages. <laughs> now, tonight we've heard from Michael, who is on Ativan, um, a small dose of Ativan, and he is having a bit of a struggle getting off the drug. Um, Ali, any ideas of what, what would you suggest Michael should do? Yeah, that's one of the common things that we do and we usually refer whoever having a similar problem back to the doctor and doctor can easily plan um, uh, ahead a program for them to slowly, slowly reduce the usage of that medication. Uh, it's not very complicated, and I'm pretty sure it's very easy. But nobody should ever just stop a medication. You don't take no, yourself off. No, we no. don't. We don't recommend anyone to stop a medication mm. or change any of the uh, therapeutic plans without the doctor consultation. Mm. Is this one of those drugs that would be on safe script? It will. Yes. And it's it's something that you would look for a plan with your doctor in order yes. to. You'd say, "Hey, doctor." I, I don't want to be taking this particular drug anymore Correct. or I want to regi- continue reducing yes. down. It's it's basically a medically supervised yes. withdrawal yes. from that class of drugs. Yes, it, it, all it needs is just an honest conversation with the doctor and yeah, doctor can easily uh, uh, 
make a plan for you to slowly, slowly stop the medication. Great and advice. Michael, the other um, option, of course, is Narcotics Anonymous, and um, they're mm. very helpful at NA. They're yeah. not going to tell you to stop taking the drug, though. They won't they tell shouldn't. you that. They won't tell no. you that. No, but they will. Um, you'll be with your peers and other people who are struggling to um, uh, stop taking things like opioids and, mm. and other types of drugs. So um, there's always a uh, helpline for Narcotics Anonymous, and you can look that up in World Wide Web. So the uh, World Wide Web. The other thing I wanted to talk about with pharmacist Ali tonight is methadone. Now, mm-hmm. I've been into your pharmacy in the mornings and yes. certainly you open pretty early 7 30 in the morning yeah. and there are people that come in for methadone so Correct. what is methadone um methadone basically is um a medication that we use to replace uh, heroin or any morphine based medication and uh, we we use it to stop the craving and um, try to um, stop the withdrawal syndromes of, um, you know, stopping heroin or any other... Well, and what would some of the withdrawal um, symptoms be? What if you withdrew from heroin? heroin or Yeah, from heroin, I, I guess, would um, be interesting. The, the common ones are sweating, mm-hmm. uh, um, runny stomach, feeling sick, nauseous... Um, uh, can function, uh, feeling confused, and yeah, um, these are the main ones. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, losing appetite. Um, um, basically, these are the more common ones. Mm-hmm. It can get worse, and you basically you see the uh, some people go through uh, seizure attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Heroin is in those opioids, isn't it? Yes. It's one of the opioids. Yes, it's just correct. that it's not a legally prescribed yes, yes. thing. So is methadone an opioid as well or not? Uh, yes, it is. And yeah. it's used in what, what you term as pharmacology. What is pharmacology? Uh, it's pharmacotherapy program. Pharmacotherapy, sorry. Yes, yeah. yes. So uh, the pharmacotherapy program is basically a term that we use for whole program. So we use different medications in this program. We use Suboxone, we use Methadone, we, go, we use uh, Sobutex. Uh, depends on the previous addiction and um, the risk of reusing the heroin. We, the doctor chooses which one uh, the patient should take. And that means that if you are trying to get off heroin, this is the replacement for something to do with receptors in the brain? Or? Yes, correct. So basically, it, it stimulates this kind of same receptors in your brain. So your body thinks that's still getting the um, heroin, but there won't be any euphoria with it. So uh, you won't feel sick anymore. You you can get by mm. with your day, daily you know work or living but um is it addictive it no, is yeah. uh, well, uh, of course but mm. um the, the good thing is about the uh, uh, the morphine uh, the uh, methadone is that um the way it get metabolized in your body is more predicted so we know how how much of it goes to your body how much comes out so mm. uh, based on that we can plan to reduce the doses slowly slowly and get you off it mm. uh, with um, painkillers or morphine or heroin it is no chance we can do that so who pays for methadone 
Uh, we get the methadone for free from the government, and each pharmacy has their own uh, charge for it. Depends, depends. It, it varies between between the pharmacies. It can be patient can be charged from three dollars to six dollars a day. Again, depends how busy the pharmacy is or how many pharmacies are available. So, firstly, it's cheaper than heroin. Heroin, yeah. Uh, the outcomes, obviously, on your life—it's yeah. to make, it's to improve your life, yes, your new life outcome. Yes, it, it at least in the first thing it does, it reduces risk of needle exposure, mm. which is, a, and then you won't go out and buy drugs which is dangerous thing to do. So these are the first things, the immediate, the immediate effect. And after that, your quality of life will improve. Uh, and then you can, you can um, uh, basically uh, think more straight and plan your life. So, Ali, I'm assuming then that the people that are going to, say, the safe injecting room in Richmond... Yes. They're still looking for the euphoria. Yes, correct. Okay, so they're not ready to, to go on the methadone program no, and no, just be um, no, slowly no, taken no. off the, um, the drug addiction. Yeah. No, no, no. Mm. But it's, it's better than nothing because they will use the clean needles and, mm. and again, the risk of you know, hepatitis, HIV, all the problems that come with needle exposure. I saw in uh, some reasonably current figures that they're... Uh, the average age of the methadone user is around 41 to 43 years of age, so it's obviously older users, perhaps people that have had enough of heroin. Yes. Uh, there's about just under 50,000 people that use methadone. Yes. Um, I mentioned seeing people in the morning, they're coming in for... Mm. It's a syrup form, isn't it? Yes, correct. So you measure out a particular amount for... Yes. Does that vary from person to person? Yes, yes. Okay. Depends Depends how, how much heroin they were using. Yeah. So the doctor decide, you know, how what much? would be the dose. Um, I think those people that come into the pharmacies are looked on in a disparaging way. Yes, that's an unfortunate thing. I always encourage or my staff or other pharmacies to uh, don't categorize ma- your patient based on the medication they buy or the, the treatment they get. So for me, someone with heart problem or diabetic or uh, heroin addiction, they all they all my patients. Mm. We have to look after them. We have to treat them the same. They, we can we can um, judge people based on their medication. That's very silly. So when I see somebody that's in a pharmacy that's there mm. um, for methadone, yeah. if anything, I need to change my thinking and go. Well, you know, these people are trying to make a better life for themselves Correct. and have a better outcome. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that stigma possibly shouldn't be there. No, no, oh, it definitely no. shouldn't be. Any, t- any stigma shouldn't be with any addiction. No, it's the um, it, it definitely requires some some form of self education for the person who's who's judging. That's why I wanted to bring up the methadone yeah. use tonight. Mm. Certainly, there are fifty thousand people yeah. that have, yes. are improving their lives yes. through a methadone yes. program. So maybe we should look at them uh, certainly in a better way. And yeah, Ali, why definitely. this massive rush first thing in the day to get your methadone? And, and it sort of all peters off by the end of the day and everyone's at home in bed, isn't it? <laughs> you know, whereas when you think about drugs, you think, oh, I need my drug at night so I can go out and have a good time. One of the reasons yeah. is I always encourage my patient, the reason that I open the shop so early is that yeah. I encourage them to come in in the morning. Because if you leave it for later, the problem is the effects of the last dose might go off and you start thinking about, you know, going using heroin. Sure. But if you 
wake up early in the morning, which is a very healthy habit, mm. and come and get your medication in the, in early in the day, then you can go by with your life and don't think about this problem yeah. anymore. Mm. So first thing in the mo- morning, you resolve one of the biggest issues in your life. Day, yeah. and so a, a dose will last, what, about 24 hours? 24 hours. And what yeah. happens, because you're closed one day of the week, do yeah. I have to go to another pharmacy no, or do uh, I take an extra dose with me? They, or they take extra dose, okay. yes, yes. We, we always make sure that they have enough medication on their hand, so they won't be looking around for some replacement. It's like nicotine. Yeah, it'd be like but a I, nicotine I, I didn't understand the... Um, why they were all lined up first thing in the morning, but it does mm. make sense if you've got if you've got your um, fix for the day very, yes. very early, you can go to sleep and you're not. I need my coffee in the morning. Exactly. Exactly. Right. exactly. Um, there was one other thing about it. Is there a new way of treating people? Uh, I think I've, I've read something about maybe a possible injection. Injection, yes, yes. There are two injections coming very soon. From Britain, I believe, or they've yes. been trialling at other, yes. in other yes. countries. Yes, yes. Um, not 100% sure which country is coming from, okay. but uh, there would be an injection uh, for more stable patients. They've been on the program for a while and they are ready to uh, go without supervision. And they go to see the doctor once a month and get the injection once a month. So they don't have to... Makes it even more manageable. More manageable. Is that a slow-release type of drug? Slow-release medication. (laughs) David, I'd like to just spend our last five minutes talking about the coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) What have we got there about the coronavirus? Uh, Let me see. What have I got? My coronavirus. Yes, that's right. My coronavirus. We're loving it. Do you have any questions at all? Ali, it's yeah. really just the flu, isn't it? Yes, correct. Thank you very much. <laughs> so all of this hype, um, yeah. is it, it? I mean, obviously, um, one of the stats that I read today that, um, you know, 102 people died from the coronavirus yesterday and 26,000 people died from cancer yesterday. I mean, it's in the news a lot at the moment. There's hype, 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 hype. Correct. What should we be doing? Well, uh, first of all, we have to make sure that we um, keep our hands clean. Mm. So, as long as we wash our hands regularly, stop touching our face. If we touched anything else, if we are in using public transport, we make sure that um, you know. Uh, if if we coughing, we cover our mouth. If you have a tissue, use the tissue. If you don't have a tissue, use your sleeve. Mm. And Should I use a mask on public transport? Well, uh, to be honest with you, as far as I know, there is no indication of using mask for preventing getting virus. Using the mask is very good and efficient if someone has the virus and uh, that stops that person to spread the germs. But Wearing the mask um, is not enough because the virus can get to you through your eyes. Just like if you were having flu. If somebody was in Correct. flu and they're in the public yes. transport or whatever. So, Correct. so it could right? be inevitable that... Some people will get, get it, it and they won't even know about it and yes. it'll come and it'll go. Yeah, some people can have it and the duration I heard, it can be as less as two to three days. Mm. And some other people might get it. If, if they have other health issues... 
that can be a bit of a problem, but any, any kind of flu can cause that problem. We've well. received a question, actually. Why does the coronavirus 2019 cause shutdowns of schools or universities for two to four weeks? Is it ver- really very harmful? Well, I think they're trying to stop spreading it. Yeah. Then, uh, it, and because this virus spreads very easily, they're trying to contain it as much as they can. Um, that's, I think, that's the only reason they shut down the schools and airports or any other measures that they've done. But um, it doesn't make it more dangerous. It, it, the only problem, as far as I know, is that it spreads very easily, mm. faster than other viruses. Do you know what some of the symptoms are, Alan? Oh, um, most of them are general cold symptoms like body pain, high temperature, uh, runny nose, um, uh, coughing. Um, some people find it a bit uh, tight in your chest and that's when we are... So general cold and flu general, sorts general of symptoms. So that's obviously why they take temperatures at oh, airports yes. when you're coming in because your temperature might be elevated. Might be elevated. What, what's our temperature meant to be? 37 or something? 37. 36. So, and the key is not to panic. Yes. There is no need to panic. Mm. Um, thank you for that message too, uh, asking about the schools and universities. Um, so what about as a pharmacist? Are you worried you're going to get it? Well, I get called like a few times a year because I'm always mm. in touch with different yeah. So we, we try different viruses every year. Mm. So, um, but you uh, wash your hands. I you wash my yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try yeah. to do my hygiene as best as I can. Mm-hmm. If I get it, I got it. If so a little not, less kissing your customers. Yes. Okay. Unfortunately. But for and, the, and the message is there's not to be this mad panic. No, there is the no need to panic. As long as you are careful, you'll be safe. All right. Best well, advice I've heard all day. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. And that's pretty sane advice. Yes, Look, it is. We hope that you've enjoyed tonight's show and remind you that if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36. It is important to move away from self-destructive reasoning. Recovery involves breaking the cycle of addiction, removing the trigger of negative thinking and restoring us to emotional sobrieties. So, one of the greatest um, highs in life is feeling good about ourselves. So the main thing to always remember that none of us in this world are alone and the first step to any type of recovery is just to say, hey, I need help. We want our community to be one of hope and look forward to your company next week as we continue to explore addiction on Hooked. Meanwhile, it's goodbye from Russ. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me, David. Goodbye. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.